0: mm
1: If you will, if you're able to, give him about five more seconds of praising the Lord. Wow! sounded just as good the second time. Ninety miles an hour, joy, peace, power, holy ghost. Thank God, this ain't no church of the Frigidaire. Oh, this, this, this way. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, you all have labored, so you can go. I'm gonna labor to rest. Y'all, just, not you guys, you stay right there. Wow, take your Bibles, please. Acts chapter 2. Wow, Pastor Chad, that, that's, that's good Holy Ghost singing. And this, this will conclude the series of the Holy Ghost, but you all keep singing like that. We'll keep going. Acts chapter 2 is where I began this journey with you, I believe, six weeks ago. And if it isn't, it was somewhere in the book of Acts. Good book, you know. Great book. The book of Acts is all about the power of the birth of the church. By the visitation of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, which is our text. The church as we know it, in its beginning, took place, as recorded in the book of Acts, after Jesus told the disciples prior to His ascension. In Luke 24 and 48, He says, Go to Jerusalem and tarry until you be endured Empowered, Clothed with power from on high. He meant the Holy Ghost. Uh, I don't need to preach all this again. i just get you up to speed. I'm going away to prepare a place for you, etc. I'm coming again. While I'm gone, I will not leave you powerless or comfortless. I am going to send the Comforter who is the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. And he shall be with you and shall be in you. They waited 10 days. A hundred and twenty of them ended up on the tenth day. And this is what happened when the Holy Ghost came. The baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, now let me say this to you. I want to talk to you in, in the close of this series, this lesson number six, about a subject, about the Holy Spirit. One of the tenets, one of the components, one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That I just can't leave this subject without talking about. Because it has been misunderstood. It has been abused. It has been neglected. It has been mocked. And this that I'm talking to you about this morning, in spite of all that, it is powerful, it is biblical, it's a gift of God, and it's for us. And so I got this thing in my preaching and my studying the Bible and being a Christian and a pastor, that if it's in the book... It's there for a reason. And we need to discover what it is. And powerful book, the book of Acts. Uh, uh, this is off. The, this is off. This is, yeah. So this lady had a thief break in her house late at night. It's old lady. I'm telling you, she has no capacity to protect herself. And she just a godly saint. She just heard all the rumbling in the kitchen and going on she, she started yelling Acts 2.38 Acts 2.38 Acts 2.38 The burglar got so discombobulated and confused he ran out the door about that time some police had been in the area anyhow and they caught the guy and they said to him what is it that she ladies oh she's She can't hurt you. She wasn't with you with a bat or whatever. And no signs that she could overpower you. Well, what made you run and and leave? We got you. But he said, she said she had two acts and two 38s. (laughs) Acts two, yeah. Okay, I hope it gets better than that because Acts 2.38 says repent and let everyone know you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the Holy Ghost <laughs> I tell you the word is powerful here we go verse 1 chapter 2 when the day of Pentecost had fully come they were all in one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire and one sat on each of them And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Now when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear them each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Pergia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Christians and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying one to another, Whatever could this mean? Others mocking, said, They are full of new wine. And Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. How many know that you and I are living in the last days? If you know anything about biblical prophecy, then you know that, okay? I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servant, on my maidservants, servants, I will pour out of my spirit in those days. And they shall prophesy. Verse 21, skip down there. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Still some hope, isn't there? Reach your hands in my direction so we can help each other. Would you say a prayer for me briefly? Father, I thank you today. I do not want to labor under this message and I don't want the people to labor to hear it. But I do believe you have given us this word for this day to give us more of the wisdom of God and the resources of the Holy Ghost. Bless everybody here, God. Make it a joy and an ease and an understanding to listen, God. Help me to have the, the oracle, the word of the Lord, so that I might explain and that you might be glorified, not me. And God, give us understanding. Give us receptivity. Give us obedience to your word because we are better having received it in Jesus name. Amen. 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 And you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Thank you. The, the book I cited to you, I, I want to begin by using some of that content here just for introductory purposes. Dr. Raymond Culpepper says that in the New Testament Greek, the word tongues can easily and properly be translated languages. It means speaking various languages, different languages, languages that have not been previously learned. That's what we read about in our text. They they spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. It is one of the elements, components, that accompanies the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It is a precious gift that has been often misunderstood and has become very controversial by those who have not pursued the knowledge of the word as it relates to glossolalia, which is the Greek word for speaking in tongues. Perhaps no part of the Pentecostal experience in the book of Acts have been more misunderstood Marked or discredited than this element of the spiritual language of God that He gives to His children as part of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And so realizing that, I have come to the conclusion that if I could explain to people by the help of God, to you, the congregation, and I've done it before... And I'll do it again because we have people who are with us now who were not with us from the last time I did this. And when I go back and do it ever so often, I realize I've forgotten some things that I myself have committed to knowledge. And so, what what I want to say to you this morning is that if you will allow yourself to be instructed by the Word of God, And not by preconceived notions of other people. Not by those who have not tasted and seen how good God is in the manifestation of this gift. But by, by being an open vessel to the word of God. I believe you'll make yourself available to a power that the devil cannot destroy. I need to go further here and say this to you that skeptics who have seen the manifestation and heard the manifestation of the utterance of tongues in a worship service or in a prayer meeting. They, they see it as weird and strange and even simple-minded. Some have called the speaking in tongues like the 120 did on the day of Pentecost. They call it gibberish. The words mean nothing. But the Bible talks about other tongues, other languages, what has commonly been referred to as a spiritual language. And everything the Bible says is to be taken seriously, as I understand the Bible. And so, that of course raises the question, who is capable of judging? And who is so knowledgeable that they can conclusively say that tongues is gibberish? I say that... With the understanding that linguists, those who study languages of the world, linguists, points out that there are over 6,000 languages spoken on planet earth. 6,000. No single person, regardless of how smart or educated, can have perfect understanding of even 25 of those languages. Do you agree? I mean, there are some people who are bilingual or trilingual. That means they can speak two languages or three languages. There have even been some rare occasions where people are specially knowledgeable and gifted and, and studied, that they can even study and speak 12 different languages. But there's nobody on planet Earth who know and understands 6,000 languages. So that begs this conclusion. Unless you know all 6,000 languages of the world and can speak it and interpret it, then you nor or anybody else is qualified to say that tongues, which is a language of God that He gives to the receiver, none of us are qualified, unless we know all 6,000 languages, to say it's an unknown tongue and it's gib- gibberish, because none of us have command of all 6,000 or more languages. And saying that then makes me now want to move right into why this is so important. What does the Bible have to say about this unknown tongue or this language or this element of the baptism of the Holy Ghost the word of God tells us in Isaiah 28, 11 and 12 that God would give this manifestation to his people and you want to write these references down because if you need to defend your faith you can go right to the word Isaiah said it in in, in this way. He said, For with stammering lips and other tongue will he speak to his people. Can I get an amen? amen? Isaiah goes on to say about stammering lips and other tongue, to whom he said, This is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing. Isaiah implies that when God gives us the baptism of the Holy Spirit, And releases us the gift of tongues. That that can be a form of rest and refreshing in our walk with God. I found that to be very true in my life. I move you to Mark 16 and 17 where Jesus says that speaking in tongues is a sign that will follow believers. I'll read the verse to you. Jesus said, and these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. Jesus therefore predicted that tongues would be one of the characteristics that would mark the believer who is filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Of course, our text, and I read it to you, tells us that on the day of Pentecost, all 120 of those that were in the upper room waiting for the baptism of the Holy Spirit heard the wind that blew through the room. It's a wind that blew through the room didn't destroy anything. And then there were little fires like this little flame I have on this PowerPoint that sat upon all their head, maybe six inches above their head. Not to scorch them or burn them, but to represent the fire of the Holy Spirit. Wind, fire, and then the third manifestation of the baptism on that day was that everybody in that room spoke in a different language that was not their native language. They hadn't learned, but God spoke it through them and taught them to speak it. And that's why when we were reading our text, when the crowd began to gather in the midst of all that, there were people from all over Asia Minor, of all languages and cultures, who were amazed at these Galileans speaking their language because it was God-given. And the Bible goes further to say in Acts 10, 46, how there were believers, Roman believers, which spoke in tongues as part of the initial infilling of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 10, 46 it says, For they heard them speak with tongues and magnified the Lord. The same is said of another group of believers In Acts 19 and 6, it says that when Paul laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them and they spake with tongues and prophesied. I move you further for another reference, please. In 1 Corinthians 12 and 28, Paul talks about spiritual gifts. That one of the things that the Holy Spirit will do will give us spiritual gifts to help us live for God and live above the sin and the devil. You see, the major purpose of the Holy Ghost when He comes and has already come is to help us beyond our conversion experience to have power and anointing and enablement to overcome our flesh our temptation, our weaknesses, our tempers, our attitude, and all of our carnal devices vices that want to come back on us. God said, I will send the Holy Ghost, and since you can't live for me on your own power without the devil trying to trip you up, I am going to give you power in the Holy Ghost that will give you gifts to help you. And so God says, you get gifts like miracles, signs, wonders, discerning of spirits, healing, Faith, a word of knowledge, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. then we go further in the Bible and we study this, this same subject. And we understand that in 1 Corinthians 13, 1, the Bible talks about there being tongues of men and tongues of angels. He's God. He can do whatever he wants to. We go further in 1 Corinthians 14 and 18. And Paul in 1 Corinthians 14, let me give you a little parenthetical here. 1 Corinthians 14 is all about Paul instructing the church in the city of Corinth about the uses of the gifts of the Holy Spirit because the church at Corinth had many attenders there who was abusing who were abusing the gifts of the Spirit. And so Paul in addressing them in chapter 14 says of himself that I speak in tongues more than all of you. He was not trying to be braggadocious. He was affirming the value of the gift, but not the abuse. Then in 1 Corinthians 14 and 39, he says, Do not forbid people to speak in tongues. And what I've done for you just then is to show you that it is in the book. It's not just one place in the book, the tongues. If it was only one place in the book, it would still be worthy of our consideration. Can I get an amen? amen. And we have to say, how much times does God have to say a thing before we say it's God and I need to learn about it and see how it applies to my life? Here's a second question in this lesson I want to give you today so you can have more power. And the question is, did the practice of tongues cease with the apostles? There are those in some of the mainline churches in America that are non-Pentecostals who will tell you that miracles have ceased when the apostles died. That tongues ceased when the apostles died. That signs and wonders and other manifestations of the gifts of the Spirit cease after the canonization of the Holy Scripture and the death of the apostles. And that's not in this book. And I tell you that because I want you to understand on just the subject of tongues, On the day of Pentecost, they spoke in tongues. Did it occur after that? Is it an ongoing gift? Let me answer it. In Acts 8 and 14 to 25, one year later, after the 120 people received the power and the language and the boldness of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says that in the city of Samaria, when they were visited by the men of God, They prayed for the Samaritans who were gathered together in worship to receive the Holy Ghost. And they received the Holy Ghost. And it is implied in like fashion, like those who received it on the day of Pentecost. We move further, if you will. In Acts 9, 17 to 20, Paul, who was named Saul prior to the salvation experience he had, was on his way from the city of Jerusalem to the city of Damascus with papers from the authorities, the Jewish authorities, to arrest every Christian. And if they won't come, do whatever it takes to stop Christianity. This thing about Jesus resurrected and this thing about He's alive and this Holy Ghost. The Bible says that Paul was interrupted in his journey from Jerusalem to Damascus Because a bright light shone from heaven and knocked him off his animal. And a voice from heaven, also the light knocked the other travelers off their animal as they were traveling. A voice thundered from heaven and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul responded, who art thou, Lord? And the voice returned a response by saying, I am Jesus who you persecute. It's hard for you, and I'm paraphrasing this. Jesus said to Saul, it's hard for you to fight against me. Don't fight against me, he implies. I've come to save you. And the conversion experience of Paul began that day. His name was changed from Saul to Paul. And not only was he converted, but a few days later, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And he testifies that he spoke in tongues. In Acts 10, 44 to 48, eight years after Pentecost. I'm trying to show you that it didn't stop this gift with the upper room. Eight years later, at a house of a believer whose name was Cornelius... There was a prayer meeting, a cottage meeting going on. And the apostles who were there prayed for everybody in the prayer meeting, not only to be saved and have the Spirit in you, because when you're saved, you have the Spirit in you, but for them to have more power, to have the baptism in the Holy Ghost. And when they prayed, they all received the baptism. And one of the signs of their receptivity was that they spoke in spiritual language of tongues. I go further to tell you that not only was it there, but in Acts 19, verses 1-7, 21 years after Pentecost, there in the city of Ephesus, God again manifested a visitation of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of everybody in there being baptized and speaking with other tongues. I must tell you that beyond that time, Till now, 2011. It's been over 2,000 years. Every time you read church history, you will find whenever God sent a great awakening in any part of the world, you will find it was almost often accompanied by miracles of healings, Miracles of demonic powers being broken and destroyed from people's lives. Can I get an amen? Miracles of manifestations of other signs from God. And also with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and the gift of speaking in other tongues. Because the gift did not stop with the apostles. How do you know that preacher? I know it because... Peter, on the day of Pentecost, if you'll read on down further, remember I told you about Acts 2.38? This is Acts 2.39. Peter when questioned about what is all this commotion? Why are all these people speaking in these different languages they never learned? What's all this about the wind and the fire? How come all these people are so bold and zealous and and they're full with courage now? These every ordinary people every day. And Peter stood up and said, this is not because they're drunk with wine. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel in the Old Testament. said. In the last days I will pour out of my Holy Spirit upon all flesh. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. I am trying to tell you that the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the manifestation of spiritual language is a promise for today. And if God says I can... And have it. And God says he can make me more powerful and more like him. I want everything that God says I need and ought to have. And if you're a believer that God has his blessings for us, praise him. You see, brothers and sisters, I need to hasten here, okay? This, this thing of the gift of tongues has been so ridiculed until In some churches that used to be Pentecostal are Pentecostals. The manifestation of this gift, because of the nature of it, many pastors or churches do not want the manifestation of tongues or interpretation in their service or don't even preach it with their people. Now I need to qualify all that and tell you that if you see it happen here, it's going to be done like the scripture says, decently and in order. Okay? Okay? And because it's been abused by some people in some church settings, like it was in Corinth, some pastors and denominations have elected to completely ignore it or discredit it. You see, in Corinth, the church that Paul is writing to in chapter 14, 1 Corinthians, it seemed like they abused all of spiritual things. It didn't seem like it. They They did. They abused communion. When the people at the church at Corinth came to communion, they transformed it from something sacred and holy and they made it into a drunken party. Read, read it. They would bring food and they would gorge themselves on the food. They would bring wine and get drunk on the wine. All in the name of celebrating Communion. And Paul says, no, 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 no. Don't you have houses you can eat your food in and drink your drink in before you come to church? And to come here to the house of God and in the name of God make it some sort of spiritual orgy? And Paul was saying, look, do it decently and in order. When you come to the Lord's table, you better examine yourself. Come on, somebody here. You ain't here for no homecoming and you ain't here for no feel good. You're not here to get drunk. They, they abused the grace of God. They, the people at the church of Corinth knew of a member in the church who was having an incestuous relationship with his father's wife. He was living with his father's wife in sexual promiscuity. And the church turned their head the other way. Read Read Corinthians. And they were just acting like, that's okay. Grace is everywhere. No. That's sin. And Paul rebuked them. And no more than you and I can come in this church every Sunday. or come Wednesday and Sunday and, and live adulterously and carnally and lustfully and vulgar and nasty. And wonder why we can't get a prayer answered. And wonder why God don't heal us and God don't bless us. Come on, help me here, somebody. I'm not accusing anybody. I'm just saying that, yeah, if you want to go to some feel-good church and be soothed and stroke, there are even churches for homosexuals whose preachers in their churches say they are preachers and they're full of the Spirit, and they are not. In case you thought I was running for anything, that just qualified me. I'm running for heaven, and I want to take everybody I can. Just because... You add for God at the end of an organization or a name, doesn't mean God's in it. Yeah. R.A. Torrey says, you know, next thing you know, you're going, he's gone, dead, gone. Next thing you know, you're going to have bartenders having a bartender's association for God. As if that legitimizes what they do. It's quiet, but it's okay. i preach when it's quiet. Corruption. Abuse. And Paul says, you're abusing the gift of tongues. The Corinthian church, they were. There were people in the Corinthian church, when they came to church on Sunday, they thought, the more we talk in tongues, the holier we are. We are better than the non-tongue talking people. There'd be times that interrupt the whole service and start talking in tongues and, and going off and 5, 10, 20 of them talking in tongues. And Paul says, that is not of God. If you talk in tongues, one of you should talk and then it should be interpreted. And if there's no interpreter, you should be quiet. And Paul says, look, if you've got more than three people in, in a service talking in tongues, that's too many. You should have no more than three messages in tongues in one service if you have any. And that should be it. Because if you give 16 messages, who's going to remember which message to apply? I'm a preaching little Indian. I don't, want, I don't want any manifestation of tongues in these services if they're of the flesh. Do you hear me? And I will not be unkind to anybody, but there are, times, there are times when people have a private tongue when they're standing in their pew or they're, or they're sitting there and the Holy Spirit begins to flow and you have a private tongue, you can pray to yourself where you can hear yourself. But don't get out loud and don't get really and disrupt anything unless you know the Holy Spirit has given you the unction to give a public word, a public tongues for the whole church. And then you'll know it's of God because the interpretation will come. But Paul was saying, look, you people, you are are coming to church and this beautiful gift of tongues that's to give you power and energy and intercessory power in your life. You are here praying, 10, 20, 30 of you out loud and speaking in tongues. And the unbeliever comes in and they're thinking, you are out of your mind. That's what Paul says. Yeah, some of your family have yet to come to this church because they still think we are out of our mind. Some of you are now coming, but you thought we were out of our mind. Yeah, but but you knew that, that if I, uh, there was a, something different, there was something unique. Even though I don't understand the tongues, you know, some of you are okay with the clapping of the hands. You didn't come from that kind of worship, but but you're getting better with that. And so every once in a while, you'll do a little praise yourself. You know, we say raise our hands, and you got to start practicing. So you'll go. But you got to start somewhere, you know. You're thinking, okay, I, I can get a little, I can get a little okay with this. Say, I'm a little bit okay with that. They're a little louder. They got drums. They got trumpets. They got sax. They got, whoop, no. I, I get used to that. But man, that tongues thing, when they start that, you reckon where they want a back door? Just because a thing has been abused doesn't mean it should not be used. Healing has been abused in the church. There have been television preachers and non-television preachers who, for the sake of money, have, have mimicked and mocked and staged miracles from people who weren't even sick. Had people get out of wheelchairs, and they weren't even in the wheelchair when they came in. They just wanted a front seat, and they put them in a wheelchair. Uh, you all know what I'm talking about. There have been preachers who had somebody in the back fill out cards and ask the people what their ailment is. I'm, t- I'm telling you, I feel a... Yeah, they'll have them come in and say, what you want God to do, fill out a card. And they'll fill out the card back there, and the preacher had an earphone, an earpiece in his ear while they read the card back there and says, this is, this is, his name is Jeff Merriman, and he's got back problems. And it looks like the preacher's just hearing from God all the time. His wife back there on a, on a, on, on, on a shortwave radio was telling, I've seen it. Yeah. Yeah. And it. And no wonder some people don't want to come to pray for healing, because they think it's phony. Some churches and mainline churches don't want to pray for healing and miracles because everybody that gets prayed for doesn't necessarily get healed like we want it. Can, can I get an amen, somebody? Everybody doesn't get their miracle instantly, but just because everybody doesn't get their miracles instantly doesn't mean that God is out of the miracle business. Well, let me, let me see if I can be even more simple. It's Labor Day. Forget the time. Uh, I'm laboring. Watch me. Doctors have performed surgeries on people. And people have died on this table. But doctors have not quit performing surgeries. Because more people have benefited than have died. Cars have wrecked. Automobiles have crashed. There has been many fatalities through automobiles. But Detroit has not quit making automobiles. Because they have more value than, than, than fatalities. Airplanes have mysteriously fallen from the sky. And hundreds of people at one time have died. But we haven't quit flying. Can I get an amen here? Somebody. And there have been some abuses in the church with communion, with prayer lines, with speaking in tongues. But it doesn't mean that we have to say just because there's been abuse that it's not real, it's not powerful. God doesn't want us to have it. What we have to say is I need to be informed. I need to be educated. And everything God has for my life, my well-being, my growth, and my death, I want everything the Bible says Jesus and God has for me. Come on and praise the Lord. I tell you, there are, two, there are two unique functions of the Holy Spirit. I will not get to number two, and I might not get far in number one. But there are two functions of the Holy Spirit that every one of us need to know about. And that is the Holy Spirit's language of tongues. Tongues is given to the believer as a gift. As part of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Number one, for personal and devotional purposes. Private prayer. Private devotion. And then tongues is given to to the church for public encouragement. I won't get to the second one, but I don't don't think I need to. Let, let, let Let me cover a few things right here. Spiritual language as personal devotions. Spiritual language enables us to commune with God in a way that is distinctive and unique. But all the time we're talking to God. Because in 1 Corinthians 14 and2, the Bible says, "For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to man, but to God." Yeah. can I tell you this? Please understand this. When you are praying in tongues, because the Holy Spirit gives it to you, you don't go into some twilight zone. You don't lose your mind. you wake up four days later in the Sahara desert. You know, you hear all kind of junk. You can shut it off if you don't want it just as much as you can get up out here and leave this service if you want to. I'm saying to you that here's how you receive the gift of tongues as part of your baptism. You just begin to praise God. You lose yourself in worship and praise. You're hungry, you're thirsty. You say, God, I've got to have more depth than this. The church of God is 125 years old. This is the church that, of the denomination that we belong. We belong to the church of God. It's 125 years old. It was founded in 1886 in the hills of Tennessee, North Carolina, and Georgia, at a schoolhouse called the Shearer Schoolhouse at Barney Creek. You know, you know how this church was born. It was born when there were some Methodists, some Baptists, some mainland denominations, Presbyterians, others who read the Book of Acts, and they read about the miracles, and they read about the tongues, and they read about the Holy Spirit at baptism, and and they all uh, <laughs> they all came to the place and. the... Uh, the hunger in their hearts and they saw the book of Acts and they thought God if the book of Acts chapter 2 is for today if the tongues is for today the miracles is for today the healings are today the gifts are for today if all that's for today we are so tired of being dry and dead and cold and, and three songs and a sermon and a poem and no altar call and go home if that's today we're going to stay at this schoolhouse up here in these mountains and pray until Pentecost comes to us if it's real and it came and the church of God is 125 years old with Eight million or so members around the world, but they're they're the assemblies of God. You know, if if, if this is not of God, there are over six hundred million people around the world that claims to have the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I guess if it's crazy, we all crazy. Six hundred million of us. It ain't crazy. It's God. But I tell you this: when you, when you, when you, let me move you, move you to number two. When you pray in a spiritual language that God gives you, you get edified, lifted up, encouraged. I say this, let me say this to you. You don't make yourself do it, but you get the unction and you obey it. Say for example like like this, and nobody can teach you, so I'm not trying to teach you, okay? The Lord, if he can't do it by himself, he don't need Alan helping you or anybody else. You begin to praise him. You begin to seek Him, and you, be, you don't tell him anymore, your problems Now all, you just begin to say, "Hallelujah, praise the Lord." And the, one of the best ways I've seen many people receive the baptism is just by saying, "Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah." And just praise. And, and sometimes your, your tongue, your lips begin to quiver like stammering lips. You know exactly what's going on. Hallelujah doesn't come out. It just comes out a little partially, Hallelujah, something. And you feel the unction, just keep going. You're not afraid. Yeah, and you just get and it, it begins to it's like trying to learn another language that's not your own you stammer a little bit you fumble a little bit and then, then as the more you praise Him the more the more you feel edified the more you feel uh, passionate, the more you feel strength, the more you feel joy, the more you feel like a, like a, like a well of living water bubbling up in you, even though you've got problems in your marriage and your money and your job. It's like you have come into this presence. You've got your mind, but your voice, and, and you begin. You don't change the tone of your voice. It's just an utterance, and it, it turns out to be Thanksgiving. And, it, and the language comes, and the more you pray, and what happens is, well, well let, me show, let me show you this. Spiritual language enables us to pray privately and intimately, praying in God's will. I want, to, I want to confirm that there are times when you don't know how else to pray about the same thing. You've prayed 15 different ways around it, and you are even saying, God, why don't you just play the CD of my last prayer? It's the same thing. I've done that, haven't you? I thought, God, how else can I ask you for this miracle? How else can I ask you for this healing? How else can I ask you for this person's marriage? How else can I ask you for the church to have so-and-so? I've run out of all my English words, and I don't know how else to pray. And then the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Look at the screen. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Can I get an amen? Look at 27, verse 27. Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. When you run out of English or Spanish or French or whatever your native tongue is, and you don't know how else to say, help me God, if you let the Holy Ghost pray through you he will pray in ways that will go under the radar of the devil and the devil won't understand what you're saying because he can't understand the language of God and the Holy Ghost will give you edification and God will do for you what he did for Daniel he'll send the answer on time give the Lord some praise yeah if you want to know how to mess up the devil Because the devil understands 6,000 languages probably. But he doesn't understand tongues. He ain't got no clue. It messes up his radar. (laughs) I like to mess up the devil. I'm telling you, there are times when I don't know how to pray. I tell you, in my 26 and a half years of ministry, I grew up in this Pentecost thing all my life. I have seen the weird and the weirder. I'm I'm telling you, I've seen people who seek to get attention to themselves. And they've taken the gifts and messed up and created confusion. God said so and so when God never said so and so. I've seen people take tongues and interpretation to give a message they wanted to give. When God didn't say nothing to that effect Tongues will exhort and edify and encourage. It won't lamb blast and slam and criticize. I'm a preaching little Indian. Oh, I already said that, didn't I? Yeah. And so, I'm telling you, when, when, when God comes in that language, I've got more books on the Holy Ghost than probably any books in my library. I didn't just come here this morning because I wanted to blurt out my mouth about something that I wanted to make you mad about. I've, I've proven this in my life. I have proven when I've run out of Alan Matura and I don't know how to pray, there comes an utterance like they did this morning. I was called to the hospital this morning at 5.30. I was called to the bedside of Nathan Kay who I've known for 33 years. I tell you that God has used people like some of you in this church to teach me more than I've ever taught you. Pardon me. I am to be your pastor, and your shepherd, and your teacher. But some of you have lived for Christ and lived so godly, and especially Nathan Kay, that I've had to back up and say, God, I really don't have anything I can say to that godly man. I really need to sit at his feet. How many know God works that way? And the more we preachers understand that, the more we understand that we don't have command of everything. God does, and he can use whomever he wants. He used a donkey to talk to, well... Did he did not use a donkey to talk to one of his disobedient prophets? I stand by. This morning at Fayette Hospital. Pastor Darrell's there now. And for all I know, brothers and sisters, Brother Nathan, who served God for all of his adult life, who was one of those non Pentecostals, but God filled you. You talk about a man in, who believes in prophecy. God uses him in the gift of tongues and interpretation. But right now, as I talk to you, he is on full 100% life support. He expired probably for 10 minutes. They got his heart to come back around. But in the natural, he probably will not make it today. I don't know how else to have prayed for Nathan Kay in the last year when he started with this throat cancer. I have known this couple. They've been married for over 50 years. But they're just the there in that emergency room, Fayette Piedmont, this morning. I prayed in my understanding, so the wife and he, and then I prayed by myself in the Holy Ghost. Did you hear me? I prayed in the Spirit. I don't doubt that He's already walking all over heaven, and all they got to do right now is dis- discharge the other equipment. But I don't doubt that if God says, I ain't ready for you, that he'll give resurrection power. Oh, Jesus. Come, brother Chad. Listen to me. I close with this thought. Spiritual language allows us to worship in a way that liberates our spirit. Can you hear me? Hear me when I tell you, I'm not asking you to seek tongues. Please. You need to seek the Holy Spirit. He's just one of the gifts that I didn't want you to throw out everything because you didn't understand that one. Can I get a witness here? Rachel, give me the last slide, and I'm going to close. In your private devotion, in your car, turn off some radio people for a little bit and worship God. In your bedroom, get aside and say to the children or the spouse, look, unless it's an emergency, don't interrupt me. I want to get deeper with God. My father is 81 years old. He's preaching this morning. where he's preached for many, many years. He's a pastor. He's in South Carolina. And every Sunday morning, the brethren and I, at 15 to 9, pray with my father on the speakerphone for his church and he prays for ours. I didn't understand growing up, I wasn't a pastor or preacher, I was just a teenager. and trying to find my way and what God wants for me. And I would go into my father's bedroom sometimes, brothers and sisters, and he would sit down, he would be sitting on the floor and the lights would be out. I know you won't be able to see me there, but I'll tell you, I'll describe it. He'd sit on the floor, he'd do his legs Indian style, like American Indian style, and he would shake, his body would would shake, and his head would shake. My dad would not be saying any words in English, and he wouldn't be saying anything else out loud to disrupt, but he was like in a, forgive me, I don't mean this to be Demeaning. He was like in a zone. But it wasn't like a zone of zombie or some kind of demonic. Oh, my. He would sit like that church for three hours at a time, shaking, praying. And I thought, that ain't going to ever happen to me, buddy. <laughs> but when I got older and I understood what was happening, I understood he was praying in the Holy Spirit. During those times, as an evangelist in America... He was an evangelist. He would have revival services, preach all over the eastern part of the United States. He'd have six weeks revival at one time, service every night, Saturday and Sunday, every night. There would be hundreds of people saved, baptized in the Holy Ghost, healings in my dad's services. Because he he spent that time pursuing. I I have known of uh, situations and places where people have prayed in tongues and they had no idea, Pastor Jeff, what they were saying. They were being edified, and later God showed them what they were praying about. I read about a missionary who was speaking at a conference in England, some some years ago. And he was a missionary to Africa, but he had come home on furlough, speaking about his ministry. At the end of the the speaking, a lady in the crowd says, Do you keep a diary, a journal, where you write a journal? And he said, Yes. She said, Let me tell you something. She said to him, uh, two years ago, I was awakened in the night with a burden to pray. She said, I got out of bed and I was talking in tongues before I got on my knees. She said, for one hour, I prayed in tongues, my spiritual language, and it seemed like for that whole hour, I was wrestling in my spirit, fighting and wrestling, i.e. Daniel, Old Testament. She said, when I finished praying, I had a vision. It's like God showing me what I was praying about. She said, in this vision, I saw you in a hut surrounded by natives. You were sick. Then you died. She said, I I, I saw the natives pull the sheet over your head and walk sadly outside the hut where you were. And then suddenly you came out of the hut and you stood in their midst alive. And they were amazed and rejoiced. And then she went back to sleep. The missionary asked her if she kept a diary and requested that she bring the diary later in the afternoon. Her diary. And they compared diaries together and making allowance for the difference in time of England and Africa. They discovered the time of this woman's prayer burden was exactly coinciding with the time when the missionary was sick with a deadly fever. Exactly that time, two years prior... This missionary's partner who was with him in ministry had to leave the hut in the community and went. So he had no help. Things happened just like she saw it. He died. The natives came in, covered him up. They went out of the hut. When they were going back to their respective homes or or, or huts, he got up because God healed him. And when they compare their notes, I'm telling you, sometimes you do not realize. Why am I praying in the Spirit? Why do I have this burden? Why am I praying in English? Or why am I praying like this? Because God brought something to you that that He wants you to carry. And you stop praying only after you feel the load lifted. I'm told, and this is a true account, when Jamie Buckingham his ministry some years ago he was visiting the hospital and visiting the intensive care areas and, and he, he came across a gentleman who was Japanese in his orientation and couldn't speak English and his daughter was a nurse in that, in that particular part of the hospital helping care for her daddy and the Holy Spirit told Jamie Buckingham as he was going down the hall the man was on a gurney waiting to go into the emergency room and the Holy Spirit stopped Pastor Jamie Buckingham and said pray for this man and he began to pray and he then he began to pray in another language that the Holy Spirit gave him And he was just being edified and until the burden left him, he quit praying. And when he stopped praying, the nurse said, Sir, I didn't know you spoke Japanese. You spoke this, this language. But I don't. I don't know what I was speaking but you just spoke that over my father who is at the point of death and you spoke healing and encouragement and faith in him and you said that, that he is going to get well and that Jesus is going to help him and you caused the power of Jesus to come in him and raise him up and his face, the man's face changed, his demeanor changed because he understood the prayer this man prayed because, and the man lived because I'm telling you that sometimes in this language of prayer, God will give you the weapon that will give you power. I got to have a cut-off place. Stand up, please. Would you stand up? Stand up. Stand up with me, mama, mama. And so here's what I'm telling you. Oh Jesus, if you'll ask and you'll be teachable, God will give you more power. Can I get another Amen? Listen, nobody can teach you to pray in tongues. We don't have a prayer meeting in here. I tell you, every one of you pray in tongues together with me. We don't abuse the spirit. But I'm here to tell you that there's more available to us than we realize. And I'm here to tell you, don't write off a thing just because you don't understand a thing. Bow your heads, please. Bow your heads, everybody. And and brothers and sisters, whisper a prayer in your spirit, those of you that are born again. I realize that there are people here this morning who have no idea about all that. They trust me, and I hope they do. But I want them to trust God. I realize there's some people here this morning. But you don't need tongues or anything like that. What you need is, maybe you do need for God to purge your tongue and all of your person. Maybe what you need today is because you've allowed your flesh and your tongue to say and do and be and behave in ways that are harmful, destructive, and could jeopardize your soul's salvation to hell. You don't have to leave here this morning without being born again. Heads bowed and eyes closed. And oh Lord, I pray that you would just let the Holy Spirit have His way in us. I know we've got places to go, but Christians, pray with me. Lord, there are teenagers, there are young adults, they are single adults, they are single parents here. There are people who are divorced, who need the power of the Holy Spirit and salvation. If you're not born again and you need Christ in your life, I'm going to pray this prayer for you. And if you're not born again, I want you to tell Him right now, God, I have disobeyed you, I'm not saved, I need Jesus, I do not want to go to hell. And then I also want the Holy Spirit's baptism. I've tried it on my own. I've messed it up big time. And now I need you. Father, as I pray right now, I know that I'm speaking for people, whether they raise their hands or not. I'm speaking about people here who need you. And I pray that the Holy Spirit would knock at the door of their hearts. And they would open that door and say, Come in, Lord Jesus. If you know that you are not born again, would you right now say to the Lord, Lord, I confess my sins And I ask you to forgive me of them and help me never to return to them. Right now, if you're not born again, and I know this is a different kind of an appeal, but it's still appropriate. God, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. He's the Savior of the world. He died for my sins. Come into my heart. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I want everybody who is saved to raise up your hands to the Lord with me now. And lift up your head to heaven. And let us, all of us who are already saved, just say, God, refill me with the Holy Spirit and fire. Come on. I want you to say, God, revisit with me any gift you want me to have. I just want to praise you. Come on. Raise your voices. Come on. Don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed just raise up your voices raise up your praises oh God use me today use me to pray for somebody use me to carry somebody else's burden use me not to be selfish use me oh God when you call me to turn off the TV or turn off the the cell phone or turn off oh God the computer and the emails and the text, use me God for the time I spend and all that stuff let me spend time with you Lord come on church Oh God, send down the Holy Ghost in this church. I praise you, Jesus. Sing, my brother. Sing. I, I want to just worship him. Come on. While they sing, I want you to worship. Thank you, Jesus. We
0: are standing sing it with them as I worship. On Holy Ground.
1: I want all the altar workers, all the altar workers to come and stand in the altar. All the altar workers. And I know. Sing with them. I'm just going to add to it. Here, here's what I want you to have. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit does not want me to release you just haphazardly. This may not be for everybody, but it will be for some. And you might be one of the some. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. That's the word of the Holy Spirit. He didn't use tongues. He used a word of prophecy. Come unto me all eat at a labor and heavy laden and i will give you rest take my yoke upon you saith the lord and learn of me for i am meek and lowly some of you need rest you've been carrying stuff that god never meant for you to carry like this you need to leave your children at the altar you need to leave your marriage at the altar you need to leave your future at the altar you need to leave your fears at this altar. You, yeah. you love God. You're going to heaven. You love the Holy Ghost and you believe what I preach. But you are laboring on this Labor Day weekend with fears, with habits, with situations, with somebody else's condemnation and trash on your life. And you don't need to labor anymore if God will yeah. carry it. Can I get a witness here, somebody? Yeah. Amen. yeah. Can, I get, can I get a witness? No, no, no. You don't need to carry something that God says, I'm carrying it. I will not uh, abuse or uh, embarrass anybody please please and I don't want to say anything about anybody because I feel like if I tells you something about somebody you won't come to me in confidence okay and I want you to come to me or pastor Jeff or the staff but every Sunday we have this kind of stuff like this Sunday morning this Sunday morning a woman in the altar whose husband left her this morning she don't know where he is but she knows he's gone she's crying and weeping in the altar And God's going to help that woman. And the Holy Ghost is going to stop him. I'm telling you. You're carrying your children. You're carrying past sins. There is no condemnation for them which are in Christ Jesus. Quit carrying garbage. You're on holy ground. So we're going to sing that a couple more times. And you come for whatever you want before you leave today. While the others sing, and you, maybe you be the one. These people here have prayed. They are not just here because they want to have a position in the church. They're praying people. And they're full of the Holy Spirit. They won't hurt you. They'll help you. Sing it, brother. And let's worship one more time. And if you come, and come. For any kind of prayer, you come. Sing with it with me. Yeah, yeah. Come from every section. I'm not going to carry this anymore. You go to them altar workers. You go to them staff. Pastor Jeff, come help me just a minute. Take a little bit of oil on your fingertips. Pastor Jeff, every one of you in the altar, stay here in the altar. You prayer partners, you work with them individually. Otherwise, I want to come and I want to Pastor Jeff to come and others. If we touch you five times, you just stay there. But I want to touch every one of you. I don't always have the energy of strength after two services, but I feel it now. You sing whenever you need to leave and go. God bless you. If you want to tarry, but this will be dismissal. But don't you in the altar leave because I feel a Definite unction. To pray and lay my hands on every one of you. I won't ask you what it is because I don't have the time, and we won't get to everybody if I do that. But while you sing, while you worship, while whatever you got to do, and if you got to leave, do it reverently. But stay in the altar. Here comes the Holy Spirit. Sing, my brother. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Power,
0: faith, encouragement. Oh God is a new day, a new hope, and a new future. More power! Thank God, brother Mike, He is faithful. Go ahead and pray. Keep it up. He is faithful. In the I pray
1: for your joy, for your burden to be lifted, for your burden to be lifted. There it is. There it is. Pray, my God. I bless this
0: brother.
1: Burdens are lifted. You don't
0: have to carry it. In the name of Jesus, I leave it in this altar. I leave it with you, God. you. i i leave it. With you. i i